In our Tuesday morning Bible class, as you may have noted on the announcements, we are in the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. The King James Version says, The sons of Eli were sons of Belial. Sons of Belial. What does that phrase mean? Well, it means wicked. It means lawless. Basically, the term sons of Belial means worthless and good for nothing. It's interesting. Now let me quote the whole verse. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt, or sons of Belial, semicolon. They did not know the Lord. That's why the Bible says they were corrupt, or sons of Belial, or worthless, or good for nothing. They did not know the Lord. Now, here's the thing. They were priests. How is it possible for priests of the Lord, which they were, to not know the Lord, which they didn't? How is it possible for them to be sons of Eli, the priest at that time, to be raised as his sons and not know the Lord, and then to serve as priests themselves and not know the Lord. In our little study booklet by Willard Conchin, he answers that question this way. Knowing about God and knowing God are two different things. They had knowledge, but not obedience. Their actions proved they did not know God in true relationship and service to him. They did not know God as God, the one with all authority. They did not humble themselves before him and obey him. What I want us to understand this morning is that there is a huge, huge, infinitely huge, eternally life and death important difference between simply knowing about God or simply believing in God and truly knowing God. Huge difference. A difference which I think many today are totally unaware of. You may, you may hear people say or, or see people who, who make the claim that they believe in God. Oh, they believe in God. But their lifestyle doesn't reflect anything whatsoever near obedience to God. They believe in him, but they don't know him. You see, there is a fatal difference between simply believing in God and truly knowing God. Just like there were fatal consequences for these two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, because... They did not know the Lord, and we see that in 1 Samuel 2, verses 12 through 34, as well as chapter 4, 10 and 11. So this morning, I want for us to explore the fact that there is this huge difference between believing in something and knowing it. Also, what the difference is between believing something and knowing it, or believing in someone and really knowing them. Huge, huge, huge difference. 
I'd like for us to begin this morning by looking at the gospel according to John, and we will see what I've chosen to term Peter's first confession of faith, as it were. John chapter 6, or Peter's other confession of faith. John chapter 6, and again, we're exploring the difference between simply believing in God and truly knowing Him. John 6, beginning at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, when you look at that sentence, it makes perfect common sense that believing and knowing are two different things because otherwise... If they were the same thing, what would Peter have said? We've come to believe and to believe. Or we've come to know and to know. He'd be repeating himself if the terms meant exactly the same thing, and they don't. He didn't stutter. <laughs> he said, we've come to believe and know. So there's two different things going on here. Think about it. If you simply believe something, believing something signifies that sometimes... Elements can be introduced that can cause you to doubt it or to make it to turn out different than you believed it would. Whereas if you know something, it's solid. It's absolute. It is unshakable. The word know here in this passage means to come to have absolute knowledge. Definite to come to understand completely. That's what the word know there means. To come to understand completely, it's solid. And so as we consider the difference between simply believing in something and truly knowing it, we could put it this way. Belief is the beginner's entry level. But know, K-N-O-W, is the advanced and active level. That would be a good way. Belief is kind of the entry level, lower level, lower echelon. It's essential, but, but there's more to it than that. But to know it is to take it to an advanced and active level. To believe is sort of like the bottom of the escalator or the elevator. It's where the journey begins. It's, it's where you start on your way, believing but you've not arrived at your destination yet. You've not gotten to the top. You've not gotten to that advanced stage yet. You could still fall short. If you start out on the bottom of a ladder, bottom of the stairs, bottom of an escalator, is it possible to not make it all the way to the top? Sure, it's like believing. You start out, but you haven't accomplished the end result yet. But to know means you're there. There's no doubt about it. For example, whatever sport you follow, in the preseason, most of the sports, professionals in particular, believe that they're going to win, win it all. I mean, they start out, whether you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan or whoever fan you are, okay? Kansas City Royals, Boston Red Sox. Um, everybody's full, full at spring training. They just, they believe they're going to the World Series. Every team believes that. But guess what? Not every team does, do they? You only know you're there when you win the league series. You win the National League Championship Series or the American League Championship Series, then you know. But when you only believe it to start out with, things can change. Things can, can impact you getting there. And so as we apply that to 
Christianity, this, this journey that we're on with Jesus, which begins with a person's entry level into it or, or simply believing in Jesus, as contrasted with truly taking all the next steps and finally coming to fully know him, this can be seen a lot of different places in scripture, especially in the writings of the Apostle John. We're gonna look at some this morning. For example, John 3.16 we're all very, very familiar with. We know that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not is the correct translation. If you have a Bible translation that says shall not, maybe we need to talk later. Because shall not implies that, that anybody who believes in him shall not perish. There's no possibility and, and the scriptures just don't bear that out. But if you believe in him, you should not perish, why? Because if you believe in him as God, what are you gonna do? You're gonna continue on that journey with him. You're gonna continue to learn. You're gonna continue to grow. You're gonna continue to take the steps. If you truly believe in him, you should not perish because you should continue on this journey to get to know him, reaching that, that pinnacle where you truly know Jesus. But not everybody's gonna do that. Belief alone is not enough. Just, it's just the beginning. James 2 and verse 19. Even the demons believe and shudder. They're not going to heaven. They believe. The demons really believe in Jesus. They confess him as Lord, we see in, in some of the accounts of the gospel. The demons believe in Jesus. But belief alone is not enough. It's not. It's just, it's just the beginning. There's, there's more to it than that. Sadly, there are probably going to be countless millions of untold demons as well as human beings altogether who only came to believe in Jesus, but they never, ever, ever took the next essential steps, essential steps to truly come to, to know and to therefore be known by Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 in Galatians 4 and verse 9. Those people who only take that first step and they only come to simply believe in him must continue on, take the next steps and keep on climbing in order to get to this place where they truly know him if they want to go to heaven, okay? How? How do we do that, Jesus? Well, he tells us in the gospel according to John. Turn to me in your Bibles to John 8. Almost exclusively devoted to the writings of divinely inspired writings of John this morning. John 8, 31. We'll see this escalation, that belief alone is not enough. John 8, verses 31 and 2, read as follows. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, notice they already believed. They're already in an entry level. They, they believed him. If, it's conditional, you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So they believed, and he says, okay, they believed, they're entry level, okay. If you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples, and at that point, look at what verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See the difference? A lot of them believed in him, but he said, only if you get to know my word, and you live there, that's when you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. There's a difference between simply believing it and truly knowing it. We see this progression again and again in the gospel according to John. John 4, go back there with me please. John chapter 4, 
beginning at verse 39. And this message this morning is certainly one maybe that some of us need, but one that we need to share. We have so many folks out there that we know who simply think that belief alone is all there is. And, and the Bible says belief alone is not enough. You've got to come to know him. John 4, look at the progression of these two terms again, verses 39 through 42. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed. There they are. They believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Okay, they're there. They're on entry level. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Did they know that before they came out? No, they simply believed because of the woman. But after they listened to Jesus for a couple of days, they got to truly know him. They got into his word, and they come to understand and experience that he was truly, they believed early. But after spending time with Jesus, then they came to know that he is indeed the Christ. Turn to me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to John chapter 11, verses 41 and 2. This is not a one-time thing in the Scriptures. It's all through, again, especially the writings of the, the Apostle John. Chapter 11 of the Gospel of John, beginning at verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man, obviously Lazarus, was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know Jesus was rock solid, secure. He knew his father. I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe. Some of them standing there didn't believe. They needed to get on at every level. Jesus was sure where he stood. He says, I know to some here that need to, need to believe. There's a difference between believing in Jesus and truly knowing Jesus. John's writings come at this again and again and again. Turn to me to a very familiar passage in John 20. Hmm. What was the purpose of John's early writings? Well, he tells us. John chapter 20. Verses 30 and 31. We're all familiar with this, probably almost as much as John 3.16. John says in, in, in writing of, of Christ, it says in verse 30, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that have, believing you may have life in his name. Think about this. He said, I wrote these things so you'd believe. I wrote these things so you would come to that entry-level place that you would believe. And then he says, and that believing you might have life in his name. Why? Well, because if you, if you believe in him, then you're going to abide in his word. You're going to learn of him. You're going to, to continue to humble yourself before him. You're going to get to know who he truly is. And if you take that far enough, will you have eternal life? Yes. But there's a difference between just believing and knowing. John says, these things are written that you might believe. But then John, later on in his final series of books, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he gets in there and he says, my writing's a totally different purpose. John 20 says, these things are written that you may believe, verses 30 and 31. 
1 John 5 and verse 31 doesn't say that. 1 John chapter 5, look what he says in verse 13. He takes it up a notch. You see the progression again. He says in 1 John 5, 13, These things I have written to you who believe, something they already did, in the name of the Son of God, that you may what? No. You already believe. The Gospel of John was written that you may believe. He said, this is written to those of you who believe that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? Well, if you continue to believe in him, what are you going to do? If you believe he's the son of the living God, if you believe he's Lord, if you believe he's Messiah, if you believe you're going to answer to him, all of these things about Jesus, then what are you going to do? You're going to continue to study and to learn and to grow and to come to know who he really, really, really is. John knew. John didn't simply believe. John knew. As he wrote the Revelation, wrote down what? God told him for the struggling saints there in the first few centuries. John didn't just simply believe in Jesus. He knew Jesus. Why do I say that? Because he was on the Isle of Patmos for the testimony of the word of God. They tried to punish this man for his belief in Jesus. And so strong were his convictions. It wasn't a belief, a simple belief that, that time or circumstances could change where they said to John, okay, John, you believe in Jesus. We're going to imprison you. And he'd say, well, now maybe I better reconsider what I believe. It wasn't something that any circumstance could change. John knew. And when they threatened him and they put him on Patmos, did that change what he knew? He knew Jesus. And so it couldn't impact any of his life because it was more than a belief. It was a knowledge. It was a knowing. There was a certainty to it. And like the Apostle John, brethren, we need to not just believe in Jesus. We need to know Jesus. We need to know him in such a complete way and with such an ever-expanding and increasing knowledge as we get into his word and we keep growing and learning. We need to know him in such a way that nothing on earth can daunt or put a dent in our relationship with him. That's where John was. That's where John was. That's where we all need to be. To, to be at such a place of knowing him and so sure and absolutely concretely locked in that he is Lord and he holds my life in his hands. That no matter what happens to me, it does not put a dent in my faith. It does not daunt me. They can threaten me with imprisonment on Patmos. It don't matter. I know Jesus. Because if it's simply just a belief, it can be shaky. You know, we need to know so certainly and so surely that it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our being. It's a part of us that can't, can't be yanked out of us. It can't be changed about us. You know the Apostle Paul was the same way? The Apostle Paul explains that he was the same way. Look with me. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. We'll get back to John's writings in a minute, but 2 Timothy, please turn there. Chapter 1, look at verse 12. 
some reason here, my Bible doesn't seem to want to cooperate with me. I guess maybe it's me that needs to cooperate with my Bible, right? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know, current tense, whom I have believed, past tense, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that what I've committed to him against that day. I know whom I have believed. Paul says they can do anything to me they want to. They can throw me in jail. They can, they can do anything that, because I know Jesus Christ. So let them do what they will. I know whom I have, have believed. I know. In fact, you back up with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Now remember, these were people who were Christians. They were people in Christ Jesus. That's who he's writing to. And look what he tells them they need to... Now, now let me ask you a question. As Christians in first century Ephesus, in the Church of Christ, in first century Ephesus, as Christians, did they believe in Jesus? Yeah, if they hadn't believed in Jesus, they'd never become Christians. Yeah, they believed and were baptized, Mark 16, verse 16. They had to believe and be baptized. They were already, they'd already done that. They already believed. They were believers. They had believed and taken action and been obedient by being baptized. But you know what? He says you've got to grow. You've got to grow to know, even though they already believed. In his prayer, in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, he says this. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. He said, I want you to know that. Well, they already believed in Jesus. They already believed in his love. He said, yeah, I know, but I want you to know it. I want it to be such a part of you that it's unshakable. I want you to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Why? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, you ain't full yet. You ain't filled yet. And some days we as Christians, we're just not filled up with that joy. We're not filled up with that Christ. We're not, we're not just full of the love of Christ. Why? Because we haven't spent enough time with God to really get to know Him. Oh, we believe in him. Yeah, and you've got to believe in him. But the maturation of that process is to really know him. Brethren, when we get to really, really know God, we're going to be unshakable. We're going to be unbreakable. So, okay. How can we tell? I mean, something this important, there must be a way we can really tell whether we simply believe in him or we truly know him. There's got to be a way. There is. I want to take a, a look at how the Apostle John, who wrote the book on knowing Jesus, showed that we could discern the difference. Let, let me show you some keys from the book of 1 John, how we can know whether or not we just believe in him or we truly know him. 1 John, he tells you how it's done. God doesn't leave this a mystery. It's too important to leave us guessing at. 1 John, Chapter 2, to begin, he's going to tell you black and white, right up front, how you can tell whether or not you truly know God. Here it is. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, 3 through 6. 
Watch how simple this is. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You see, a person, see, the demons couldn't do that. People who simply believe in Jesus and they don't take time to get to know him and his awesome power and his love and his grace and his mercy and, and that doesn't drive them to obey him. They don't truly know who he is. They just simply believe in him like the demons. It, it doesn't take it to that next level. But John says, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth isn't in him. But... Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him also ought to walk just as he walked. Are you walking like Jesus? He said, that's how you can know? Doesn't have to be any doubt. You can know that you know. You know? <laughs> he says you can. See, our Christianity is not about what we think. It's not about what we feel. It's not about necessarily what we have a zeal for. If I have a lot of zeal for this, then it must be right. If I think this is true, then it must be because I think it really hard. If I believe that this is the right way to do it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's right. That doesn't necessarily mean that I know God. By this we know that we know him if we, what? Keep his commandments. John said, that's how you know. That's how you know. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Our humble and obedient submission to his authority, because we have taken the time since we believed in him to learn who he truly is and what he truly wants, is proof that we do more than just believe now. We know him. In chapter 2, he gives you another, uh, chapter 2, a uh, little bit further down, he gives you another litmus test, if you will. In chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, look there. How do we know if we just believe or if we truly know? He who says, verse 9, he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Just as we saw in chapter 2 and verse 4, so we see right here in verses 9 through 11. Brethren, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Claims are vain and words are pointless. It is all about action, submission, and humble obedience to the word of God when it comes to truly loving. You remember, for those of you that were here last Sunday, I did a lesson on what it really means to love the way God said to love. To love is a commitment. It is a commitment to serve and to sacrifice and to give, to give, serve, and sacrifice. That's what it is in God's definition. So as we read here how we can know, because the person who doesn't love his brother is one who does not know, so we can know if we're truly loving the brethren the way God told us to. As we go on here in chapter 2, in verse 21 through 25, we see another way we can know. Verses 21 through 25, John says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no true lie is of the truth. He's going to go on to explain what he means. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Brethren, this whole Antichrist thing that a lot of religions want to put out there today, oh, Antichrist is coming and all this. Antichrist is already here. Been here since the first century. An Antichrist is simply somebody who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah. That's all that means. Antichrist means against Christ. So an Antichrist is one who is against Jesus being the Messiah, the Son of God. It's that simple. A whole lot of them had gone out into the world in the first century. The Bible tells us that. But the point here is, he said, I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth, because you do, but because you know it. And what is that truth? That truth is, verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise he has promised us, us who know him, us who, who take that belief and, in the tr or belief in Jesus and we get to know the truth. We come to understand the truth. We come to obey him as God. It is, it is those people who are promised by God eternal life. They don't simply believe in him, but they truly know him. How else can we know? Look at chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. We can know that we have passed from death to life based on our Christ-like love of one another. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. We know. Two words. We know. John says this is how we know. There, there's no dispute here. This is, this is a knowledge thing. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Again, by God's definition, not ours. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, brethren, I don't know if there's ever been a Christian. Maybe there has. There probably has. I can't imagine... Any Christian coming around and saying, I really hate brother so-and-so. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me on any level, okay? But do we truly love them? No, nobody's going to admit that. Nobody's going to say that because they don't believe they do. And hopefully they don't. But here's the thing. Do we love our brethren the way God tells us to? Do we give them the benefit of the doubt? Do we always put them first? Do we serve and sacrifice and give on their behalf? Are we committed to that? Because that's how God defines love. So if we're going to say, well, I, I don't hate the brethren, then we have, to, we, we, we have to be the type of people that love them the way God loves them. Powerful, powerful stuff. In chapter 4, we see this belief to no process in evidence yet again. Christ-like love is the key indicator that we know Jesus. We talked last week about God being love. Let us read that text again. Chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, if that's the way God loved us, that's the way we all need to love one another. Okay? Then look what he goes on to say. No one has seen God at any time, verse 12. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this 
we know that we abide in him. He says, you can know how you can know. It's not guesswork. Brethren, it's not easy some days. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest. Some days it's not easy to love some of our brethren. Some days, some of our brethren get on our nerves. We're all human. We live in a fallen world. We all understand that. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is this, amongst a bazillion other things. We come to believe in him as Lord, and we start abiding in his word, John 8, 31 and 32, and we begin to know the truth, and we, we grow in the truth, we begin to know the truth, we take this belief up to this level of knowing. As we continue to grow, and we see what God has done for us, and, and we see that Jesus came, and he, he died on that cross, and he was, he was ripped apart in his back at that scourging, and, and those crown of thorns were nailed into his head, and, and he went out there, and he, he bled out, and he died for us. As we see that, and we come to know him, and we sit here during communion while the, while the communion is being passed, and, and we focus in, and we lock in on what he's done for us, and we, we grow. You know what that allows us to do? That allows us to say to ourselves, if God loves me like that, he's forgiven me a whole lot more than I'll ever have to forgive any of my brethren. You know what? If he loves me like that, I can love my brethren even on those days that they make it a little more difficult than usual. And when we get to that point where we can do that, we can know because we're Christ-like. And it's got to be real. We have to love one another as God has loved us. And you know the beautiful thing about that? It gives us confidence on the day of judgment. Look in chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. We have known and believed. Again, those are two different things or else he'd be stuttering. We have known and known or we have believed and believed. No, no, they're different terms. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this. This is how you know that love has been perfected or completed. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. If you want confidence when you're on your deathbed, if you want confidence on the day of judgment, if you want to you have all the confidence and assurance. I've watched way too many people die. As a preacher, that's one of the things. You get to learn your way around new hospitals real quick. Nursing homes. And even some Christians just have no idea what's, what, what awaits them. And that's so God wants us to know. John said these things are written that you may know that you have eternal. This is how you can know. But one of those things is, as Christ is in his love, mercy, compassion, everything that Christ is, as he is, so are we in this world. That's what gives us boldness in the day of judgment, but we can know, we can. As we go on into chapter five, we can also both know and show that we love God and his children. Again, by obeying his commandments, he reiterates. Look at chapter five, verses two and three. By this, we know. We don't just believe it, we know it. That we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And we say, okay, all right, yeah. Well, I was baptized. I kept his commandments. I come, I come to the assembly on Sunday. Yeah, I, I do that. You know, I'm obeying his commandments. I sing without instruments. I'm obeying his commandments. Yeah. 
Brethren, that is such a small percentage of his commandments, it doesn't even begin to register the total. There's a whole lot of other commandments. Love one another even as I have loved you. Forgiving one another even as I have forgiven you. There's so many other commandments. It's not just that we gather and, and take some bread and fruit of the vine on Sunday. Yes, that's important. It's crucial. It's critical. It's essential. But there's so much more. And I think sometimes when we think, well, yeah, I obey his commandments, means coming to church on Sunday, putting an offering in the plate, and singing without instruments. Oh, brethren, there's so much more to keep in his commandments. And the book of 1 John is about, yeah, we can know. If we do keep his commandments, we can know. But his commandments have so much to do with our reaction, our relationships and our reactions with and to one another. Most of all, as we get ready to close here in a few minutes, the Apostle John wants Christians, those who already started out down here with believing, coming to believe that he is God, and then they have come to obey him, but they're still learning and they're still obeying and they're still experienced and they're still getting to know God. John wants all of those people, all of those Christians, to know that you have eternal life because of his sacrifice. I don't know what's much sadder or more pathetic, awful, and I, and I don't say this from a personal, emotional level, but it's, it's just got to be to God. For a Christian who has been a Christian for years who don't know they have eternal life. Now I realize, I, I realize that, that we sin and fall short of the glory of God, and I'm not saying absolute salvation for everybody becomes a Christian because we know people can fall away. Please don't mistake what I'm saying. But I wonder how many of us, when it comes right down to it, are willing to make the statement, I know that I have eternal life. Now, I'm not talking about arrogance. Arrogance is wrong. But do you have confidence in Christ's promise or not? Do you? Do you have confidence in what Christ did for you? Do you believe in what he did for you at the cross? Yes, sir, this means yes, this means no. You don't have to say a word. Yeah, do you believe that? Okay. So you trust his promise, okay? So you know what he did for you. Do you believe his promise that if you will repent and be baptized that he'll forgive your sins? How many of you believe that promise? How many of you know that's true? You remember those little bobblehead dogs that sit in the back window, right? So if you know what he did for you and you know that if you confess your sins, do you know that if you confess your sins when you do stumble and make mistakes that he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins, 1 John chapter 1, do you know that? Or do you just believe it? I know it because that's what the book says, okay? So based on all of that, do you know that if you're walking in the light, do you dare make the statement that you know because of Jesus Christ that you have eternal life? Do you dare to say that or not? I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about confidence in Christ, not arrogance in me. There's a big difference between knowing something and believing it. John says, I want you to know. Look at these last few verses, chapter 5 and verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. This is where it all starts, belief. You've got, you got to start there. You've got, you got to believe first. Those people that haven't even started by believing, they haven't got a hope of ever knowing because knowledge starts with belief. 
Belief starts with knowledge. You have to be taught about Christ. But when you, when you believe that, you start that journey into truly knowing him. Truly knowing him. Intimately, spiritually knowing him. All starts there with belief, verse 10. Look at verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. How many of you know that? God has given us eternal life. And he goes on to say, this life is where? In his son. Well, if God has given us eternal life, and I know that, and this life is in his son, and I know that, then I know that I want to be where? In his son. Because that's where eternal life is. I need to be in Christ. I need to be in his son. Okay? Those that have come to believe him, verse 10, should not perish because they will learn and they will grow and they will know, verse 11, okay? Verse 12, he goes on to explain it further. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, you've got to be in Christ where eternal life is. Now, he goes on to say in verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. God wants you to know. There's nothing more powerless than a Christian. Somebody says, do you believe you're going to heaven? Do you? I know I'm going to heaven as long as I follow Jesus. Now I can put that disclaimer in there because obviously you've got to follow Jesus in order to get there. But I can know confidently. These things are written that you may, you who have believed, that you may know that you have eternal life. How, power, how powerless is it if you walk up to somebody and they say, well, do you know you have eternal Well, I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't know. You want me to become part of that religion? Are you kidding me? I need more than that. You know, some of these religions that, that claim that there's only a certain amount of people going to heaven. And, and all but two or three of them have been picked for years and, and some of those things, and that, that's out there. And you say to them, well, are you one of them? Well, I really don't know. How powerful is that? It isn't. God says, I want you to know. That's why 1 John was written, that you may know, not just believe, that you have eternal life. And when we do come from believing to following him to learning about him to experiencing him to truly knowing God on an intimate spiritual level because we spent so much time in his word, so much time studying, so much time getting to know him. When we come to that, look at the beautiful promise he closes the book with, verses 19 and 20. We know. We don't just believe it. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. Does God want you to doubt your salvation? No. He said, I want you to know this. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. You do not, if you are not in Christ where eternal life is, you don't have it. I know that because I know what the book says, and, and I just read it to you right there. So the question this morning is this. The question we need to ask all our friends and neighbors, but the question for you this morning is simply this. Are you somebody who still only simply believes in God? leaving open the possibility that you could still perish because 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but some still will because that's all they do is simply believe. They never come to know. Is that you? Do you just believe him? Do you just believe in God? Or do you really know him? Know his word because you spent all kinds of time in it. Know the power of his resurrection. Paul said, I press on toward the goal. He wanted to know the power of his resurrection. Do you know that he is Lord? Does it show in your life because you are exhibiting complete submission and compliance to what he said because he's Lord and you know he's Lord? Which one are you this morning? Those who truly know him as Lord will obey him as Lord, by him as Lord, by getting into his body which honors him as Lord. You don't truly know God if you're not in Christ. If you simply believe and you want to take that belief to knowledge this morning and you'll be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins or if you want a Bible study so you can come to know these truths better so you can see them for yourself. We'd love to study with you if you're a visitor with us today. Maybe you're somebody who has believed and come to know God down here on this level somewhere and you're a child of God but you say you know what I just don't know I don't have that assurance I don't have that I'm just not as as sure as I should be I I need some help I need the prayers that I will spend more time in Bible study that I will spend more time getting to know God maybe that's you we'll pray for you we'll study with you we'll baptize you we'll help you any way we can because we do not want you to make the statement I don't know God Certainly don't want you to make the statement falsely, I know God, when you really don't. If you would know God this morning, any of those ways we can help, please let us know as we stand and sing.